everyone. Welcome to After Sex Ed with Sabrina. This is my guest, my love, <laughs> Rena Rothak. Uh, we are students together at the University of Alberta. Uh, we're both studying sexual health, uh, pursuing a graduate certificate. Um, I do this every episode where I talk a little bit about After Sex Ed and why I call it After Sex Ed. And it's called that because... Uh, you know, sexuality is on a spectrum. And I learned that in school. And I think everybody should know that, but I didn't know. I really kind of saw sex education as something you learned in adolescence. And then it just kind of stopped there. Uh, But there's so much more to learn. And that I really saw uh, when I teach sex ed to kids now, um, and there were adults in the room or teachers in the room or teacher's assistants, I always found that the adults had a lot of questions. And then it just got me thinking like, you know, sexuality is on the spectrum and it runs your entire life, you know, so it's, it runs, it's, it's on a lifespan and, and it runs your entire life and, and uh, grownups don't get to ask questions often, you know, you just kind of like working with what you've got. So, so that's why I called it after sex ed and I cannot stress to you and express to you how happy I am that Rena's here. Rena, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I would love to. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me, Sabrina. I am originally from Toronto. I live in Hamilton now. I am the co-founder, co-director of Now What Support Services in Ancaster. We are a full-service family wraparound clinic, uh, and I use the word clinic very loosely. Uh, We support families of all ages and stages in all different ways with um, basically not... Uh, when they have a family member who doesn't quite fit into the boxes, the boxes Mm -hmm. of society. Uh, We tend to see mostly people with ADHD and autism and other neurodivergent kind of Mm -hmm. challenges. Mm -hmm. Uh, We support everyone in the family because we believe that when one person is struggling, everybody is struggling. Uh And for the most part, the greatest success happens when everybody rallies and everybody contributes. Um, Mm -hmm. And we have social workers and psychotherapists and occupational therapists and speech therapists. I do all of the adult ADHD work and Uh I do all the school advocacy. Yeah. And the parent coaching. I work with parents, how Mm -hmm. to help their kids Mm -hmm. and how to help themselves. You're amazing. And you're very busy. (laughs) Clearly, like you've got, like you do so many. And I should say, in all fairness, I have three kids who are 15, 17, and 19. Wow. They are now. And they're awesome. They are awesome little humans. Awesome, yeah. very large humans. Eat a lot of food and use a lot of Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want so many things. I want to ask you so many things. But I'm going to start here and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you what I ask everybody, which is mm-hmm. how did you learn about sex? I learned about sex in really unfortunate ways. Oh, up to this moment, like, um, not, like not traumatic, uh-huh. but sort of in a lack of. Right. Like I didn't learn about sex in middle school. I went to a religious school and in middle school, all they did was teach us how to use a tampon. So I'm super good at it. I'm like the best (laughs) tampon user. Um, They didn't talk about sex at all because it was very sort of assumed that it was very simple. It was very technical and procedural and with right Uh, reproduction. That's it. So what else do you need to know? Right. Right. It was like Lego insert tab A into B. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's it. Um, and then as I grew up, I would, it wasn't a thing in my house yeah. or in my life. Yeah. And, uh, it's only actually recently, like as a, 
as a post-reproductive grown-up mm-hmm. that I have really come to understand what it can be. Right. And, uh, like for a large part of my life, I thought that what you see in movies and what you see like in porn yeah. is like only there. Yeah. Yeah. That like, just didn't happen really, in real life. Correct. Yeah. I really like, I had one of those sort of Oprah-like aha moments where I was like, oh. people do that? Like yeah. real people. Like yeah. that happens. And uh, <laughs> from that moment, I was like, well, I better learn about this. Like I really better kind of pursue this. Yeah. Because <laughs> this could oh, be a thing. God. Did anything like influence you? Were you like, okay, so you're saying a post-reductive uh, re- uh, adult. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've clearly like figured things out because sexuality has a lifespan, of course, right? Yep. Was there anything that stood out? Like, just, oh, I'm only asking because like movies have such a huge influence on me. And I had so many moments where I was like, when I was younger, where I was like, when I grow up, I'm, I'm going to do it like that. Like, I want to do it like that. And then, and then I don't know, they like influenced me. And it wasn't just like, this is how like you have this, like, this is how I think I'm supposed to behave. This is how I think I'm supposed to like what I'm supposed to do. I don't even know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It was just, I wonder if you had any influences that guided you a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that my life was so unlike what I saw on TV or yeah. in the movies that yeah. it never occurred me to have that kind of fantasy. Yeah. Right. Like to even be like, hey, that could be something that I would try. It, yeah. it wasn't. It was like in Mission Impossible when you see the people like jumping out of helicopters and like, you yeah. know, parachuting into the jungle. It was <laughs> like, well, of course, if I was ever in that position, of course I would maybe do that. But since I'm never going to be in that position, I'm not going to do that. And then I met somebody oh. who actually was a swinger. Like wow. really in real life. Oh. Like who went to sex. And who, who was a swinger and and was thrilled, like the most confident, certain person and yeah. uh, an amazing professional and an amazing parent and a kind friend. And I was wow. like, really, really, you can do all those you can things. do all those things. Yeah, you can be yeah. both. Huh? Right? Yeah. yeah. And then I was like and then I started to actually like in conversation, even in talking to friends where I was like, you know, I met this person <laughs> who actually factually does this thing. Yeah. Like hot wax, that's a real thing. And um, <laughs> they were like, uh-huh, it is. Like, yeah. I know people who do that too. And I was like, no way. This is a so thing that I'm, people do. And nobody's, yeah. nobody's telling me. <laughs> nobody's telling me. And I had to like, they introduced me to this idea that there are real, like, I could not even believe that there were real things, like a real sex club. Like I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. And, or like this idea that there can be consensual, non like consensual, like ethical, yeah, non-monogamy. Yeah. Really? Or that there were like that in fact like BDSM ha- is so sufficient, like so defined, and there's so much consent and so yeah. much trust. Yes. Oh, like we could talk about this nope, forever. How much I've learned, it. how much I've learned in our classes about like BDSM for me. This is the thing. I don't want to digress. I don't want to go off topic because it's so easy to do that. But I will say BDSM for me in my mind meant pain. That's what it meant right. for me. And that like yeah, how much sure. more have I learned? There is so there is it's not just that very boundary setting. Like it's very respectful. There's yes. a lot of dialogue and conversation involved. Right. Let's loop it back to ADHD. So con- like harnessing your ADHD is all about having the right strategies and to have the right strategies. You need to understand the expectations of the situation. 
then match, match your skill, right? If I'm trying to accomplish X, Y, and Z, what are the skills that I need to do that specific thing? And when you consent, when you like dialogue and you boundary the BDSM, you're doing that. You're setting the expectation and you're setting the skill that is needed to meet that expectation. Right. And that's, again, that has to do with, with consent. What is consent? Where is the consent? Where isn't the consent? How often does it need to happen? So again, you're parametering and you're defining and you are matching skills to that expectation. I want to put, I want to put you in a bottle and I want to just like drink you up. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, so stop there for a second. So this is what I want to say. So the reason that like, I, I like you so much and that like how, how I've come to find you, I could just consider you like this gem that like appeared in my life because, uh, so we're classmates of course. And I followed your company, uh, on Instagram, uh, now what support services, uh, is that the entire handle at now what support services? Yeah. yeah. I think it's so, at now what supports. Okay. But I'll yeah. obviously I'll put that up, but so I followed your, your company and, um, you were putting up all these things about ADHD up and I was like, okay, this is like, I feel like this is me. This is resonating with me. Like the, the frustration over like details and like, um, feeling really overwhelmed really like quickly. And then, and then of course we're living in lockdown and I felt as though I, it was killing me. Like it was just, I couldn't take it anymore. And everybody around me was saying, yeah, like lockdown sucks and lockdown's tough, but like they seemed functional. And here I was like steam shooting out of my ears. Like, no, I literally can't do this anymore. Like I can't sit in my house. I'm climbing the walls. I need to constantly be physical. Like I'm running two, three times a day now. I ran so much. I injured myself, had to go into physiotherapy and bed rest. Cause I was like, <gasps> and then when my doctor said, you know, Sabrina, you can't run anymore. You can't run for six to eight weeks. I literally had to take a hiatus from work. And was like, okay, and now I'm done. And then pop, you come into my life where I'm seeing you on Instagram and you're talking about ADHD and COVID. And like, I haven't even started talking about what I really want to talk about, which is ADHD and like sex behaviors. Because like every, you know, all of these things are happening. I think the things happen for a reason. I'm studying this. COVID's happening. Um, I'm going bananas. And like, I'm in a, I'm in a relationship and like, you know, I had so many friends that were quarantining or whatever, solo, single. And they had, they were like envious and they were like, oh man, how good is it to quarantine with your partner? Like, what are you thinking? Sex around the clock? Is that what you're thinking? You know what I mean? And that like ADHD had impacted all of these different facets of my life, you know, anyways. <laughs> and that's where you kind of like came in. And I, I just so want to talk to you about like ADHD and like sexual behaviors and like, and, and everything I'm seeing is, is that there's like this broad spectrum and that ADHD people, like, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I like, maybe we'll start with like how to spot the signs of it in yourself. And like, and then maybe like the, the sexual things that I'm seeing online anyways, from my research is you have hypo sexuality, which is a uh, very low drive. And then you have hypersexuality and like, it tends to be one or the other. And like, and there are no variances or shades of gray. And like, I feel like, help me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, is okay. this a podcast so, or is this just my therapy session? <laughs> all right. So lots of things there. So ADHD is a quack, what we call a quacking duck diagnosis. 
So it's sort of like, you know, there's a checklist. And if you quack like a duck and look like a duck and waddle like a duck, we say, okay, you're a duck. Um, I am always very much less concerned with a diagnosis than actually finding strategies and ways through the behaviors. Because I don't care if you call it Francesca, it doesn't really like it doesn't the moment before you have a diagnosis and the moment after you don't you don't all of a sudden engage with the world better. Right. Like, yeah. And it's identifying, it's noticing and recognizing where your lagging skills are, where your struggles are, where you are not intuiting the way through. Yeah. Right. Is it emotional dysregulation? Is it organization? Is it prioritization? Is it timeline? Yeah. Right. All Mm -hmm. of those things. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about sex and ADHD, it's actually all the same things as why it is so hard when you have ADHD to triage through problems. Okay. Um, Why video games, why pulling yourself out of a video game or why you get that extreme high when you're uh, online shopping. Oh girl. (laughs) Okay. Cause video games you've mentioned before and I'm like, eh, I'm like, "Uh Oh, here she goes. But for some people, the video games are a big deal because when you have ADHD, Everything is either humongous or teeny weeny. Again, no gray area. Everything yeah. can either be managed right now or yeah. later. Not like there, there's no in between. Again, uh, it's often like it feels like your brain is in a blender. And yeah. what you're, um, my oldest son, he often says that when he's fulling, like full on ADHD, it feels like that really uncomfortable tingling sensa- sensation that happens when you're, when like your one of your limbs has fallen asleep and it's trying to wake up. Wow. Where he, it's like, you want so badly to move forward. You want so badly to go. Yeah. Like it's heavy and it's uncomfortable, but at the same time, it kind of tickles. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I used to say that it was like I was stuck on one of those old fashioned um, spinners. Carousel things. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the spinners. Yeah. And everybody would, it would like be spinning and spinning and spinning. And you had to hold your focus on the tree. So that you would grow up. Yeah. And that's kind of, to me, what my ADHD feels like, where everything is like happening all at the same time and there's no ordering of it. I guess it doesn't make sense intuitively in time and in space. And I really have to break it apart. So I want to stop right there and say, you're okay saying that you have ADHD, correct? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, I am. Because it's a little bit of my superpower. Yeah. It, it lets me be in. And I would not be who I am without it. Right. For, for bad and for ugly. In yeah. all my hardest moments. Like in yeah. all my hardest moments that I really struggled through. And maybe I made it through unscathed and maybe I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is what makes me who I am today. And it's what largely lets me help other people through theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. I watched it in real time. I was like, they took, now everything has been taken from me. It was, it was catastrophic. And I wonder if like ADHD people catastrophize things because sometimes I think I do that. We, we move through that. We say like size of the problem. Okay. Size of the problem here. And yeah. what is the problem? Yeah. Right. We do catastrophize because our brains, it's like, again, you're moving at full speed all the time. Yeah. And we don't assess accurately or yeah. intuitively the size yeah. of the problem. So yeah. something may not be a major problem, but yeah. we're feeling it huge. And we want to yeah. resolve right now. And we want everybody in our life 
to focus on it. Help me solve this problem right yeah. now. Yeah. And our, our partners or our children or our bosses are like, mm, this is not such a big problem. Yeah. And then we yeah. get stressed. And then yeah. again, yeah. because of our ADHD, we lose our ability to um, regulate our emotion. So now yeah. we have a big emotion. Yeah. And responding to this distress. We're distressed about the distress. Yeah. And we've a new problem. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I'm like a habitual problem causer. Okay. <laughs> I want to I want to go back to sex though. I want to like talk about how it manifests itself in sexual behaviors. Because I don't know that I can classify myself in the ways that I see online like ADHD or behave like this and and maybe it's not supposed to be like that. But there are parts of it that I'm like I think that that might be something I do. Like like I think needing and tell me if I'm wrong if this is a thing. Like just like needing to satiate an immediate need. Like, like now, <laughs> like, and it doesn't necessarily need to be sex. It's just anything sex relate, like anything. It's just like, no, it's on my mind and it's got to get done. When I started to work with parents yeah. so about two and a half years ago, um, I would, they would sit down on my couch and I would, you know, they would tell me about their kid. And within like 11 minutes, I was also in their bed. One of them has a, a porn uh, addiction or oh, like, yeah. you know, we're trying to work through this and it's a big problem. And all you want to do is like have sex. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. I would go down to my business partner and I would say to her, there seems to be a reoccurring theme here. Wow. <laughs> like, there's something going on here. And I started to do research and I started to look into things and I started to see how, you know, porn is uh, immediate gratification. It wow. is a harnessed bookend, starts here, ends here, full body experience that yeah. satiates an itch. Yeah. Okay. And this, and then I would kind of start asking questions and ask, about, okay, let's put the porn aside. What is the actual factual, like sexual, like sexuality that's happening here? Mm-hmm. And more often than not, I was getting like, well, like he is hardcore and there's no emotion. It is all flame and fury. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> you no, know, a little bit like impulsive shopping. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. Everything I see, I want to have it. And I'm going to yeah. buy it. I don't even have the money for it, but I'm going to buy it because boy, does it make me feel good. Yeah. Holy smoke. Or yeah. eating the whole can of Pringles. Holy mm-hmm. smokes. Boy, yeah. does that make me feel good. It satiates that itch. And it's like, I can start. And then as soon as they're gone, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. 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 Right. So again, your brain is in a blender and you're yeah. just going and going and going. And it just feels so good. Yeah. Or it can. Yeah. <laughs> Does it ever swing the opposite way though? Like I think what, what, what like yes. uh, shocked me about ADHD, the more that we talked about it and the more that I was researching it was that there was a lot of mood regulation issues and that, and that for years I was like, am I like depressed or bipolar? What's my deal? Because I'm very swingy. And like, and now this is like making a lot of sense to me. And like, I wonder if it can like run the opposite end of the spectrum. Like I need to satiate an immediate need. But then when like, I don't, yes. when I'm like, when I'm not feel, it's like I have completely shut everything down and I'm yes. unapproachable. Yep, absolutely. And a lot of that has to do with perfect, like a, des- a wanting to, how do I say it? Like uh, define, to complete the set. Right. Like you want to define, this is what this involves, right? I, it involves, again, you can like a beginning and an end. There's foreplay, there's the action and then there's like afterplay or like self-care, like all those things. This is what it involves. Yeah. But if I can't 
if I can't make that happen, if I cannot satisfy my itch entirely yeah, and completely the way I perceive it to be, yeah. I'm not engaging. The same with a project, the same with uh, a relationship, the same with an outfit, the same with like, if I can't do this the way I understand it ought to be done, yeah, then I'm not doing it. Right? Black, white, no gray. Oh my God. It's like, so it's even when you're like sex stuff, but then even like projects, like the way that you're saying that it's like, yeah, everything needs to be a certain way. And then I look like a perfectionist, but I'm not, I promise you I'm not like, it's just like, I, I, I can't see it another way. And then when it doesn't go that way, I go, forget it. Like, right. To hell with it. I hear a lot from, uh, part from parents you yeah. know, they're like, well, you know, we wanted to go for ice cream and we said we're going for ice cream, but then we got there and it wasn't open yet. So we said we'd go to McDonald's Playland. Okay. We went to McDonald's Playland. It was super fun. And then at the end, the kid was like, so now are we going for ice cream? Yeah. Well, yeah, because you didn't satisfy the itch. Yeah. Right? You opened yeah. the doors to it. You said there was going to be ice cream and then they pivoted. They pivoted. Okay. But yeah. You didn't close the door. Yeah. You didn't even loop through it. Yeah. And uh, sex is no different. Shopping is no different. Controlling yeah. your eating is no different. Yeah. Right? You, how many times do you go to the fridge, open the fridge, and you're like, I really want the cake? Nope, shouldn't have the cake. I'm going to have a carrot stick. Okay. okay. So you eat the carrot sticks, you eat the salad, you eat the whatever. And then you're still like, nope, I do not feel full. I do not feel satisfied. You keep going back to the fridge. When if you had opened the fridge and had one fork full of the cake, uh-huh. you'd have been able to move on. Yeah. Damn, girl. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to go eat cake and I'm going to satiate all my needs immediately. (laughs) Or just acknowledge, right? Acknowledge them. Yeah. Yeah. 